A top 30 means that it's not like top 30 out of 40 or 60. It's like 30 out of 30. Yeah, it's literally... We we both have watched almost an equal amount of movies. Yeah, I have 32. So this is basically we're just ranking all the movies that we watched this year. Yeah, and uh, coming into this episode, I was thinking that it would be good to bring up that... We are not 2020 movie experts at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just doing this because uh, it's routine for us to go through the year's films, but we were not very uh, very diligent this year on following the movies that came out because there's so much I haven't seen. Yeah, for and sure. it's, it's a lot harder to keep track of everything too because when they come out in the theaters especially... It's like, okay, now for the next few weeks, like I can try and make it to the theater to see this. Or since it's, you know, you have uh, the movies dictate when you see them a little bit more. But now that they're just sort of all been dumped on streaming services, or you, I know it's not, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And um, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what I was going to say there, but, but it also, past years were a lot better. Yeah, I will also say 2020 felt like uh, like we are all in a trance. So there's a lot that I just don't. A lot of these movies I won't have too much to say because I just don't don't remember <laughs> all that much of what happened. Especially just yeah. seeing them one time. But that, there's definitely some you know at the top of my list that I'm excited. And, about. and I think we've still seen more than the average uh, human For sure. because. Uh, a lot of people don't watch movies anymore. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. get morbid on and on you. <laughs> it's the cold hard truth. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and also a thing about this year has been very much for me is like watching old things uh, that are not of this time period. Uh, like last week, for instance, when I could have been preparing for this episode with. 2020 watches i watch rewatched a bunch of movies from the 90s that i have seen before and i just went on this incredible 90s run and i just it was great and yeah. i also was i was watching like being like wow the 90s was incredible like they're they don't like no movies these days are this good yeah. you know and even watching movies from the 2000s, you'll be like, damn, they don't make a movies like this anymore because yeah. the times are just so different. You know, I was actually... Um, oh, uh, so Carly and I watched... Re- we bleh, rewatched Going the Distance a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You know, that uh, Justin Long, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, one. I watched that this year. Yeah, I and uh, part, part of the reason I watched it is because I remember you talking about it. And it's been a while. I, I, I probably like was raving about it. Yeah. I, I recall like doing those movie bender episodes and having these uh, totally really long rants on like mediocre rom-coms. Like the heartbreak kid. <laughs> the yeah. Probably talked your ear off for 15 <laughs> minutes about the heartbreak kid. But see, what while we were watching it, it reminded me of like that studio comedies list that you have yeah 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 and i was like yeah i like i remember back 
when I was like in high school and middle school, there was like a lot of these like rom-coms or just you know, studio comedies that weren't necessarily like the greatest movies by any means, but I, I still found them enjoyable. And yeah. they're like certain parts and of them are funny. And I haven't seen honestly still like better that. quality than most of them, most of comedies of the past decade. Yeah. Like I full feel... on, like full on comedies, you know, like yeah. like studio comedies like that. Not like uh like book smart or something like I don't yeah. I'm not counting something like that. Right. Yeah. There's definitely a couple studio comedies on my twenty twenty list that I did not enjoy. Yeah, and <laughs> the past decade of comedy has been uh, all all shock value comedy mm-hmm. and just kind of garbage. Yeah. So yeah, I have immense nostalgia for twenty, I mean two thousands uh, comedies for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And, and even just um even just movies in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were simpler times. Yeah, but uh, anyways, we're going <laughs> to talk about this year's movies. Now. Oh, yeah. Oops, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, back back on track. I guess start with our um, miscellaneous category. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I don't know what you have for this, but I have. Let's see. I have two documentaries, two shows and then two comedy specials. You know what? I don't have them like written down. So I was just gonna wing it and hope I remember it all. I yeah, um, but I, I have a variety. I have like a show, a couple, mm-hmm. one or two shows. See, I don't know, but <laughs> I have one of each at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess um, I'll start it off yeah. with uh, a uh, a documentary series um, that I know you've seen as well. And honestly, it's one of one of the out of everything I've seen in 2020, it is one of the more uh, like I'm excited to talk about it as probably as much as anything. Uh, And that would be the the last dance. Mm. Yeah, that's on my list. So, oh, didn't I thought you watched it? No, no, no. That I did watch. That's on my like list. Okay. Oh, my bad. My, my bad, miscellaneous yeah. list. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So two. I remember you talking to, to me about it almost like a year ago, and asking me if I was watching it. Yeah. And I was like, No, I don't care about that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you were like you're a pretentious film school, but uh, like for MBA. Attitude <laughs> about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i managed to be able to make that crossover uh, i was like i'm a lebron fan yeah and see i i definitely get so annoyed with people who hate on lebron and uh talk about how jordan is so much better too but uh yeah i i really loved the last dance and it was it was yeah. perfect timing for me because it was like right well not just for me for the entire world but because it was like the early COVID days, right? As the world shut down, yeah. So it's like, oh, something to look forward to, and and everything, and like you know, my dad was watching it too, and uh, you know, and some other friends. So it just always like, uh, yeah, it was like back in the days when you would actually watch shows like weekly, and then talk to people about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, I'm gonna catch that. So I'm catching the last dance Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah, being in Chicago, it was like a thing. You, I heard it on like a job once. Like these guys, uh, 
saying, yeah, well, did you see it last night? And they kind of had like Chicago accents. <laughs> um, yeah, so I watched this thing not week to week. I watched it in a day when I had like when I was recovering recovering from the stomach flu one day, and like right after Christmas, literally the day after Christmas, I was recovering from the stomach flu, and so I was just like, I will watch the Last Dance, and just watched it like uh, one long film, basically. It was one of those because it was funny because since I held back watching it so long, the second I turned it on, I found myself just like drawn in immediately <laughs> and realizing how much like um, just like frame of reference I have for everything going on. Mm -hmm. And especially since the the documentary is so well done, like just so well edited that it's like incredibly engrossing. I was just immediately like, holy shit, I'm sucked. I'm sucked in. And I got into all the uh, I got all into all the drama that the yeah. documentary kind of outlines. Um, and and I, I also I, I also just like it really reminded me of how insane like what happened uh, back in the 90s with the Bulls was um, and why it is like why it is remembered uh so much and uh and yeah so i, I definitely have like a regained regained like re remembered uh respect for that mm. and uh, and also like it really i thought it, i thought it portrays uh michael jordan unlike you've ever seen before and i thought that i that was probably one of my favorite parts of it was how yeah. insane how ins absolutely insane that man was. Yeah. It's like totally. his per like him as a persona was like insane. That, he's like I would never one of those like otherworldly people in a lot of different ways. Um yeah, yeah. Like like I felt there were moments where there was um uh, like b-roll of them following him outside of the stadium and then you know trying to get to his car and passing through tons of fans and i was looking at him and i'm just like is that even like a person like what is this like mj's formed into some other like being like it's a, yeah just as, and he's just walking around the like his character just just the fact that he's walking around constantly talking shit like in a non-stop fashion I'm just like, kind of like, this is so bizarre. This guy, like, it's yeah. so strange. And it's like, you know, it's back in times before social media and everything. So now I feel like everyone knows like professional athletes and like celebrities so well, um, just like from that. But yeah, this is like, you know, Michael Jordan is like one of the last uh NBA players or ath professional athletes with mystique around them too. You know? Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Plenty of mystique, and I I just love like how it it's almost like uh, while they're winning all these rings, it's almost like a downhill a downfall of him as his career goes on. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. From being like when it comes to from being the kid, the, just like a humble young kid who just wanted to be really good at basketball. And just the fact that he turned out to, to be like actually that great. And it became so insane that like, so like something that was unfathomable, 
unfathom, unfathomable. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is like it helped put into perspective just because like we were so young at the time that like I, you know, like every kid around our age growing up in the Chicago area or even elsewhere, like I yeah. had a of Michael Jordan stuff growing up, but just to get more perspective on like what the, on how the world sort of centered around Michael mm-hmm. Jordan and the Bulls yep. for like a period of time. Yep. was, yeah, insane. Yeah. And I love like all his interviews are feel kind of just like him reflecting on things in like an Irishman Robert De Niro way where <laughs> yeah. um, he's going, he's going over like old beef and stuff that, but you could tell, you could tell that like um, he's just not at peace. There's a lot of things he's not at peace with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm having kind of trouble uh, expressing my thoughts over this. Cause I have so many and there is so much to go over from that documentary. Cause it really is. Um, it really is that great where it just characterizes and outlines so much with the team in such a great way. And that's kind of, and that's why I liked it so much is because there was so much many layers to these a- a- these fucking athletes, yeah. You know, and uh, and, uh, and it, it, you know the and Jerry Krause and everything and how it impacted the world. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's like five or six movies in one, so it's hard to really encapsulate. Everything yeah, I, I just love like it's just like so, like how. Um, how like dark it is for an NBA documentary really like and how real it is. But at the same time you see them just, it will, it'll show like a bunch of just drama that the players have. And all of a sudden uh, it'll just show they, Oh, and, but they just kept winning, you know, (laughs) through it all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was really, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And it's even like, I watch, I watch soccer a lot and, uh, when the last dance like was coming out they would like interview these like soccer players in europe oh about it and they were talking about how like they're watching every single week and it's like oh so this is still like uh a universal thing almost that everybody is wrapped around yeah yeah there weren't a lot of sports going on so first take would just talk about the last (laughs) dance every day (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's all they could cover pretty much yeah (laughs) <laughs> Which is pretty ridiculous if you think about it, but yeah. it is like I said, it is very great. So yeah. why would the sports world should should be talking about it? I guess. Yeah, and on top of all that, I always am a sucker for like a good basketball montage with like oh, and there are some underlying. Um, yeah, and- they're very very great. Yeah, it's such a well edited documentary. Mm-hmm. It was f- fantastic. Yeah, yeah and. Michael Jordan was just absolutely out of his mind. <laughs> yep. Still is. Yeah. <laughs> he still is. Yep. <laughs> He's still competing in his head. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the last dance. Yes. It's a, it's a big one from the past year. So is this me now? Sure. That was both of ours. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll go with, uh, since we're on docs, I'll go with another, uh, the other doc that I had on my list and that's uh, called some kind of heaven, which um, it's a uh, new ish. Like I think it came out at the very end of 2020, 
Um, but it's this documentary about this uh, um, retirement community in Florida where it's pretty much like its own world. Like the, all these old people move here and it's, they have everything they need right there. You know, it's, it's an open community. It's not like a gated community, but they have everything there. And a lot of them are either. You mean like they're isolated from the world completely? Like they just do everything they do there? In a way, it's like they go there to like live out their last days and like really live them. Like they take up so many new like hobbies. They take all these like classes. They like huh. they take like acting classes. <laughs> um, and and this so it's uh, directed by this guy who's like 23 or 24. Um, and he had made a bunch of um, short form documentaries and he he'd sent them to a bunch of different filmmakers and never heard back except for Darren Aronofsky. Um, so is he a producer? So Darren Aronofsky produced this. And um, so that's kind of how it got its big reach. I don't think he had much of hmm. anything to do with the production of it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's really, really interesting. And he, he mainly focuses on like five or six different residents and he stays with this couple and, this one woman is like this very down to earth, genuine, like good lady. And her husband, since they've moved there has just gone way off the deep end. And he's like, he's getting so high every single day. And he's like trying to be like a Zen, like this like Zen Buddhist monk type guy. And um, yeah. And, and like, he's just gone so far off the deep end. His perception of reality just isn't there anymore. And so it's really just like, interesting to see how this place sort of like changes these people at the end of their life um but also the way it's shot is it you'll forget that it's even a documentary at some points um mm -hmm. the way the way he um films like just conversations between people uh is it feels like dialogue does it feel like an interview setup necessarily yeah exactly there's no like talking heads or anything um yeah you're just sort of observing so yeah uh, yeah I, I like i like documentaries like that yeah it's uh yeah i've been i've been on a documentary kick lately and this really like started it um nice it was, yeah it wasn't just sort of a plain old by the book you're like oh yeah documentaries are cool yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that'll happen to me yeah right then i'll just go for the next I month. should watch every documentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and documentary now. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. Yeah. I I actually yeah, I was watching documentary now um while I had covid. Mm -hmm. And like I really like documentary now but like I need to watch more documentaries <laughs> in order to like understand it cuz it's so it's so good that you need to see the documentaries in my, for me yeah. um, in order to get what they're doing. Like there's like few that you, you don't really need to see them because they're, I think they, they're standalone, just funny on their own, but some of them I'm watching, I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> some of them you need context. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's ones like, uh, like the blue jean committee where they have like their California soft rock band. That one, I don't think you need. Oh yeah. I liked that one a lot. Yeah. Love that one. <laughs> Apparently it's based off the Eagles documentary, which I haven't seen, but I still, uh, yeah, that uh, one was yeah. yeah, that one was really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a journey. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
uh yeah so that's uh that's some kind of heaven that's my uh my other documentary pick i don't know if i have any other since we're on documentaries i don't i don't think i have any others so yeah i will let's move on i really should have written down my fucking list (laughs) i have to there's no way i'd remember any of them yeah well yeah now i'm realizing that i'm so (laughs) out of the podcast game um, I guess I will move on to the sh- one of the shows I watched. Um, I watched a another thing that is uh, the talk of the town. Um, <laughs> this I uh, this I watched during while I had COVID, um, and I also watched it in a day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wa- it was uh, the Queen's Gambit. Uh, the yes. Netflix series with Anna Taylor-Joy. Yeah, that is the talk uh, of the town. That, yeah, it is, literally. Um, <laughs> and that it was also very addicting, like The Last Dance, and very good, and about a very competitive motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually but, saw someone compare it to The Last Dance, in a way. I'm sure you can, if you really... I'm not going to like go into the, <laughs> go into it like crazy now, but... Uh, the Queen's Gambit's a, uh, uh, yeah, meets all the hype. It's a great show. It um, will make you really want to get good at chess, <laughs> and I pro- but you probably never will. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Anna Taylor Joy is great in it um, as this character. It's uh, yeah, it's just one of those that reminds you like why shows are such a big deal now because uh, they're able to be so cinematic and layered with character and um, really just keep you in it and make you feel like you just watched um, one long movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, cause it, it was one of those where I knew like when I started, I'm like, it's gonna, all right, well, I don't know anything now, but. <laughs> Give me a second and I will know and it will hook me <laughs> and I will be in. And before I know it, I will be in this world and I will not want to leave until I'm done. And because I just have that um, uh, experience with so many uh, shows. I love I love watching like shows in a day like that, um, like ones that are really great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't right, I'm not, yeah. I don't watch a lot of shows, actually. But when I do, they're usually I watch them because everyone's talking about them and they're because they're supposed to be really great. And I always start and I'm like, all right, in a second, I'm going to be sucked into this. thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like, there's like a formula to like world building and shows that um, I think we're all used to, to the point where it's, we understand the language of a uh, series like this to where it's, very easy to watch like and just yeah. super entertaining um so yeah highly recommend the queen's gambit nice yeah we're we're like three episodes in um and yeah we're enjoying it so far but yeah i i feel like we're the last people in the world to to finish watching the show i mean yeah that's what i felt like <laughs> you know what i mean i'm not gonna tell anyone yeah you know what i just saw <laughs> queen's gambit Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, ever heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Um, all right. Then I'll go with another show. I'm really realizing now the two shows that I uh, that I wrote down aren't. Um, They're not shows. 
Well, they're shows, <laughs> but they're like documentary style shows. Oh, in a way. Okay, yeah, that's so. John, that's that's okay. Yeah, there's still shows, all right. Man. We'll live yeah. with that. So the first one, uh, the first one I'll bring up is "How to" with John Wilson, uh, which uh, is definitely my favorite show of the uh, of the past year. Uh, I think there's only six, maybe seven is episodes. The, is that the John Mulaney? I mean, I mean, I mean nathan fielder show uh, yeah so nathan fielder yeah. uh is like executive producer Produced it. yeah 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 we uh yeah we, you you told me about this i still haven't checked it out yeah it's uh it's uh it's good it's definitely one you could watch uh, all in a day it's like they're each half an hour and there's only six of them i think but um yeah i really enjoyed uh really enjoyed how to with john wilson and this this was one actually that they released it's on hbo so they released week to week and i got excited for each week when they came out and uh it's the humor is very similar to nathan for you so yeah uh, yeah if if anyone out there uh is a fan of nathan for you then i know that you'll also like this and it's basically this guy john wilson he just lives in new york and he just films things around uh manhattan and um basically he tries to each each episode has a different topic like there's one on like how to small talk how to uh um, how to improve your memory like all these different um how to's but they all go in a completely halfway through the episode they go to a completely different direction than you thought they might and he just gets oh yeah, yeah he gets wrapped up into these weird like groups that uh, you would never know that existed like <laughs> a, a memory convention and uh, just like the different characters that he comes across is just so hilarious, but also fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like Nathan for you, how he's able to sort of get the, the weirdest people and get the strangest things out of them. It's the same with, with this show. It's yeah. It's, it's like, I'm so my mind is just like blown that there are people out there like this that he meets but it's also incredibly funny uh at the same time uh where uh where did you watch it hbo max yeah so it's yeah. uh and there's, a, there's a ton of really like subtle <laughs> subtle things that he leaves in there too that uh yeah no it's it's a good like late night late night watch um yeah that's how yeah, to cool all right I'm honestly like looking for things I've seen. <laughs> I know I I know a couple stand-ups off the bat um that I watch would be like I watched Kevin Hart No Fucks Given um which was I don't know if you saw that or not but I did not. What was interesting about it is he films it at his home. Oh. Like like oh, in the middle oh. Is there an audience? There is an audience, a very okay. small, very small audience for like a Kevin Hart show, you know, who's mm-hmm. used, who's like performed at the garden. Yeah. Um, and so I, so he was kind of like going for the vibe of like, um, like, you know, we're just, you, I'm just bringing you guys into my living room. I'm getting real with you guys, you know? <laughs> and uh, that, I mean, he, he does like as much as someone who is as big as Kevin Hart can um, for me, you know, cause Kevin Hart is very much 
to me just like a big um movie star persona at this point like he's not he's not as much a um a giant uh stand-up anymore yeah. it's more so the the movie star persona what he brings when you uh cut to him and he's gonna say something like ridiculous you know in this yeah. uh in this decade of uh, shock value comedy mm-hmm. you know you know not like not like so like not in the way where like chris rock when he comes on you're gonna be like oh here's chris rock he's got something you know kevin hart's more you know like that's pretty you know it's pretty funny you know like yeah. i mm-hmm. so i like i definitely enjoy this i laugh a lot but i'm not you know i don't consider I, I don't I don't watch Kevin Hart and be like, oh, there's gonna be some genius yeah, like right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. There is a great bid towards the end where like a of just a story of him being at Jerry Seinfeld's house and um how Jerry Seinfeld like uh brings out like everyone a bo- like brick oven pizza or something like that. <laughs> And uh, so there's a great bit on that. And, you know, it, it is very funny and um, worth watching. Nice. Yeah, that sounds like it was uh, that wasn't shot like during COVID stuff. Right. Because it sounds like it was since it was at his house. I think it was. Whoa, really? Wow. Is he talks about COVID? OK, then it must be. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure people are wearing masks. Oh, wow. Dang, they yep. got that up quick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they can, they can do it, man. Hollywood oh, wow. doesn't stop. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Okay, then I'll actually, you know, I'll go with a, uh, I'll go with the comedy special too. Um, so yeah, I've got okay. I've got two comedy specials. First one I'll talk about is uh, an evening with Tim Heidecker. This is yeah. This is one of the things I really wish I watched. You'll uh, yeah, I I for sure know you'll like this. Uh, so. Tim Heidecker doesn't normally do uh, stand up. So, this is like his stand up character that he's basically playing. Oh, um, so, it's not. That's fucking great. And oh, it's, man. He's, he's basically uh, doing a, a ridiculous character that would be like uh, part of Joe Rogan's like Death Squad. Like, oh. Just this overly masculine, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Douchebag. Yeah, yeah. He's like masking the fact that he's just an asshole wow. by trying to be a comedian. And it's, yeah, it's. That's genius. so brilliant. Wow. And it, like the way he's able to, um, again, this is like a, a hilarious stand up special, but also so on the nose with these like shitty, uh, like douchebag bro comedians that uh yeah it's just like mind-blowing how spot on he is um like he's you know he starts every he he starts and stops so many times um because he messes up you know he'll like purposely mess up the wording and then he'll like get all pissed off and he's like it's like run it back we gotta we gotta start that over start that over yeah. like he, he's like looking back at the sound booth and he's like you ready and then he like goes back into like the joke to try and like get it right and he's just like he is so angry he has so much rage and uh he even like he tries to do crowd work like like these guys do and uh it's it's just so bad but he's just like so like cocky about it um, yeah no, i i i it's it's definitely like anti-comedy or meta comedy whatever you want to call it but it's it's uh, still comedy though it's yeah but it's it's one of the funniest stand-up specials i've seen in the past couple of years oh that sounds um, awesome 
And it's even just like the cadence, you know, like I've seen these comedians who like do crowd work and the way they like talk to the crowd. They're like, they're like laughing at their own jokes that aren't funny at all. They're like messing around with the crowd thinking that they're hilarious. And he, the way his like cadence is just when he's doing that part, it's just spot on. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I've watched it a couple of times now. I for sure watch it again. It's uh, really good. And it's just on YouTube. So, mm. uh, yeah. Isn't it on Netflix too? I think it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, too, but uh, he Weird. just released Amazon it on his own Prime YouTube. Amazon Prime special. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's so odd. Yeah. It used to be like, yeah, either Netflix or HBO. Now they're, they're everywhere. But uh, yeah, Evening with Tim Heidecker. I highly recommend. Yeah. Honestly, uh, John, I don't, I can't think of anything else because I didn't prepare. <laughs> So I think you should just go and finish this off. I'll finish this I'm, off. I'll go. I got I'm gonna two be more. kicking myself later about like things, <laughs> all this sh- other shit I watch. I there has to be more, but I nothing comes to mind. Just when when we're done, just like record you talking about it on your phone, and then I'll, I'll you'll just, place like, it. <laughs> yeah, I'll place it in, and I'll like record my own reactions to it. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. That'll be seamless. really cool. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just I'll I'll rapid fire go through these. So the other one I was gonna bring up is uh, the other comedy special is Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Uh, so neither of these are like t- like standard stand up specials, but uh, Middle Ditch and, Swar- and Schwartz is Thomas Middle Ditch and Ben Schwartz, um, who have been in various comedy shows. Um, ben Schwartz, Parks and Rec, Thomas Middle Ditch, Silicon Valley. If, if anyone out there doesn't know but uh yeah they do these there's three long form improv specials they do and whatever your uh your opinions of improv are because a lot of improv is is pretty bad um but these guys are like you know so, uh, top like of the line Tim Heidecker is doing anti-stand-up is this anti-improv no it's definitely not anti-improv oh okay uh but it's like it's long form improv and it's not um you know, I used to be like uh, on the campus activities board at my college and we'd see a bunch of like really shitty college improv groups. And uh, I'm sure like they, they think that, you know, they, nobody's laughing. So then they try to like, you know, amp up their like ridiculous characters and stuff. Uh, but then there's it's like improv is either like really good or, or really bad. Uh, but this is like really good. And uh, um, yeah, uh, Carly and I actually saw them perform live um in denver um not one of the ones they recorded for netflix but um yeah there's there's three on netflix and they're both and they're all three really funny um and yeah yeah so even if you're not a big improv fan i I would still recommend them um for a good laugh yeah (laughs) they're just funny guys yeah (laughs) cool um all right then the last thing i'll bring up is uh pretend it's a city uh netflix yeah the martin scorsese thing yeah Yeah. i i I didn't see that scorsese and uh, and fran lebowitz so it's it's basically the whole thing is fran lebowitz talking about daily life and her annoyances with it and you know what she enjoys about it and then it's scorsese just like laughing his ass off the entire time it's (laughs) (laughs) I've already. Seen- I like I like Martin Scorsese's laugh a lot. I watch a good amount of uh, Scorsese interviews. Like the one 
there's a Wolf of Wall Street one with him and Leo. Um, and since they're just talking about like scenes from the Wolf of Wall Street, which is a, you know, basically a slapstick comedy satire movie, they'll just, he laughs so much, which I, yeah, so I which yeah. I just love. He is, yeah, he has a great laugh. Yeah, no, he's actually a really good pairing for, for her because he'll, oh, yeah, yeah. He eats up whatever she, like, she says stuff that, um, some of it is a little bit like, oh, I'm a New Yorker, like, pat myself on the back. Like, uh, you know, New York I've dealt with loves, some shit. Or yeah. Something. New Yorkers love to talk about how we got um, a chip on our shoulders thing. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a little bit of that, but, um, Fran definitely has a lot of like funny things to say, but even when she just says like, um, like really not that funny of things, things that you just go like, ah, like Scorsese just loses his mind. <sighs> uh, and I've already seen a couple like different shows, like even on SNL made fun of it. Uh, or like Fran will say something like, uh, uh, what am I going to walk to the subway? No, it's like 30 degrees. It's too cold. Like something not, not remotely funny at all. And Scorsese just like, he just has loves this, like, like the, he just <laughs> loves the ad, the attitude. Yeah. He just like, he laughs so uncontrollably that you think he's, you think he's like having a heart attack. Yeah. It's uh, so that, that is part of the fun of watching it is just for Scorsese's uh, reactions to Fran but uh yeah it's really uh really easy watch it's just basically monologues from Fran Leibowitz um nice I I like that because I I've seen like uh um his some of his older documentaries so I feel like it's some something of like the style of some like American boy or like Italian American where like the subject literally just talks the whole time and the environment's exactly. created for that. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I watched Italian American a couple weeks after finishing pretend it's a city. And yeah, it's definitely very similar. It's like the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says his parents, except it's friendly woods talking. To That's stuff. yeah. I, I love, love yeah. that style. But I'm like, like just the fact that he's able to pull it off is so is what's so awesome about it is like that it is while it is so simple it's yet it's so cool and uh like uh cinematic yeah even though it's so minimalist you know yeah exactly yeah yeah so i i definitely think you'd be a fan of uh pretend it's a city yeah i i i would i like <laughs> martin scorsese <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> All right. Um, would that be the end of our that is miscellaneous it. category? Yeah. I, I'm wow. I'm I like yours. Like the last few you had, I'm I really want to watch. So that I was just, worth I, it. I feel better about those. I think than most than the vast majority of the movies on my list. Here. Well, I mean, the I can only go up from here since I didn't have anything <laughs> to say. <laughs> Yeah, you, you better for, pick up the pace here. Except yeah. for that Michael Jordan was the best <laughs> basketball player ever. That's <laughs> yeah. all I had to say, really. Um, <laughs> so I feel like I can only go up in this episode. And so the fact that I have a full list written down with some movies that I sort of remember, I think that uh, I'm looking for. I'm now ready to talking. talk about it. Yeah, now we're talking, baby. Yeah. Um, so let me... Let me pull up that list real quick. Yeah, let's start us off. We're starting from worst movies. Worst to best. <laughs> and there's definitely going to be right. a, ton of, a ton of crossover too because 
Yep, yep, yeah, for sure. So hopefully my first movie at the beginning of my list is not at the end of your list. (laughs) Yes, let's hope we we match up somewhat. (laughs) Um, So the first movie on my list and also the worst movie that I watched this year is an HBO Max original, uh, Locked Down. The Doug Lyman flick with Anne Hathaway and this, I don't know how to say uh, his name. It's like Chiwetel, right? Very, she would tell. I think so. Yeah, yeah. He's like a super and, famous actor, but I, I, yeah, I never. Yep, know, you know. he's in everything. I yeah. see. I've seen him in a ton of movies, and I feel bad that I don't know how to say his name. Mm-hmm. He's he's a great actor too. He is. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, uh, I didn't catch. He's very that. much established at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I he, should yeah. know how to say his name. He's not auditioning for stuff anymore. Yeah. Chiwetel. Chiwetel. Okay. All right. So Locked Down is the only movie I know of this year. There's a chance there's others. I know Judd Apatow supposedly is decided to make a quarantine movie, um, which to me is not a big deal because, you know, it's Judd Apatow. Judd can do whatever he he pleases. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Doug, Ly- Doug Lyman is more of a director that is uh, – very much hit or miss uh, through his career. Um, like I like Edge of Tomorrow. Um, oh, yeah. I like I like uh, Born Identity. Mister mm-hmm. um, and Mrs. Smith is okay. Um, Jumper looks like a very weird movie. Jumper is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's weird is there have been people I've met who like love jumper and they were like you haven't seen jumper (laughs) and i was just like what (laughs) oh my god i i remember liking it growing up when i first saw it Um, exactly yeah it seems like that yeah part of the reason was because it's freaking anakin skywalker in it but uh yeah no it's it's not a great movie yeah and swingers i am very uh indifferent on i think i need to watch it on to get a full opinion but um i think that i don't fully respect swingers so that being said doug lyman is very hit or miss but yet he Mm -hmm. has like the hollywood tread to be able to like do what he wants you know Mm -hmm. and so in this movie in this movie he gets uh and anne hathaway uh side side by side for a quarantine flick um, where their marriage is just really been I th- apparent, like the way they make it seem is it's been falling apart for months. And um, Anne Hathaway just feels very stuck at her like uh, corporate job. And like, like all these famous people uh, Skype in, like okay, Skype in because Anne Hathaway is doing like Zoom calls for business meetings throughout the flick. And so they get all these famous people on to just go on Zoom and be in this movie. Uh, like, for instance, uh, like Ben Stiller is her boss. Um, Mindy Kaling comes in for a scene. Uh, 
you know, like Stephen Merchant comes in for a scene. Uh, just stuff like that. And Anne Hathaway's character, I just really, really hated. <laughs> and it's one of the reasons why this movie, um, I rated this movie so low. She just has this very, she just has this uh, anger um, at her place in life and at her, uh, at just her, at her job and just the fact that she works at a corporate job, but is like very successful, but it's so cliche in the way they say that she's, she's like, I could paint, <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? It's not even brought up with that much care. Like there's a backstory that, that she's always wanted to paint. It's just literally, she feels wound up at home and she doesn't like her husband anymore. And apparent and, and apparently, um, Apparently, uh, Chiwetel's character, he was in jail before, so there's been a falling out because he was in jail before, and now he drives a van. So he feels, so she, he's always like, you look bad, you feel, you know, you look down on me because I drive a van. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's just like, so unlikable uh, throughout, and um none of her motivation um for what eventually transpires which is they decide to um pull out a heist at a shopping mall um which really comes out of nowhere in the fact that most of the movie is like an at home like watching these characters deal with their anxiety of just being stuck in quarantine you know what i mean like which is for the most part okay um, like sometimes it's it's really at its worst when Anne Hathaway is uh, monologuing. When Anne Hathaway is monologuing, it I I could not watch this film. Like I I hated the way the monologues were written. I hated uh, how um, Anne Hathaway how angry she was because none of her uh, that anger uh, it, it didn't really come from any real place that made sense to me uh, as the viewer and. The eventual decision to uh, rob this uh, mall of like this this expensive jewelry um, that they decide to do doesn't really come off as like a shot at the man or anything like that or a shot at uh, uh, being tied down. It just really doesn't make any sense why this decides to be a heist movie uh, towards the end. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's really not worth, uh, watching. That's good to know. I, I saw this, uh, pop up on HBO max, like, uh, you know, right when you, right when you go to the app, this popped up and I just, yeah, they, oh yeah, of course they, they market it like yeah. crazy. And I just saw that it was about a couple you know, experiencing I, all I, all I read about it was that it was a couple during, you know, COVID like lockdown. And I was like, I'm already out. Like I, I do not care. Like I've, I've uh, lived as a, a couple yep. Yep. Lockdown right now. Like I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to watch something that has to do with, with that at this point in time. So I, yeah, I, I, now I for sure won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. There's even like NBC did a show this summer that was like all recorded, like all the characters were recorded like at their own homes and they were the whole show was like over Zoom in a way. 
and it's just like seemed like okay so everyone's getting annoyed with our own zoom our own zoom calls so yeah watch someone else's zoom calls yeah, yeah. like the fact that i'm just I, i'm just watching anne hathaway talk to people on zoom was just so stupid <laughs> yeah, yeah i think that'll still be a pass for me but uh all right yeah so that's yeah lockdown bottom of the list all right okay my my number 30 coming in strong at number 30 is the wrong missy i don't know have you seen this? Uh, david spade netflix flick that i did not watch oh okay yeah the the wrong missy um so this was also an early early uh quarantine one but uh yeah it's a it's the bottom of my list i didn't necessarily hate it though there's there's two more even below this on my list that i that i really hated and some uh maybe not maybe maybe not some above this that i really hated but uh it's not good yeah it's uh lauren lapkus uh i do i do find funny and i and i've liked her in a lot of other comedy things but um her character here was just like so over the top but there were there were times that i that i did find her funny just from like physical comedy standpoint um but there's um also a lot of just like weird weird shit that happens that's that you can see they're they're trying to be like it's supposed to be outrageous and shock like you were talking about before and it's just it does not land and uh <laughs> she, she even she rapes david spade <laughs> spoilers but uh it's legitimate rape but it's played up as comedy you know, like David Spade wakes up and he's yeah, it's like rugged. I am so uncomfortable. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh my god, this like weird girl is having sex with me while I was asleep." It's like, no, you, David Spade, you just got raped. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that was kind of it, it. Seemed like something you would see in like a uh, a movie that came out in 1998, but mm. not in 2020. Um, so yeah, that was kind of odd. Um, and there's is just it a Happy Madison movies. production? Yeah, yeah. So it's all, it's all the same people. You know, Rob Schneider, he's yeah. some racist character. Um, Nick Swardson's in it, and uh, Adam Sandler's wife is in it too, and she has like a pretty big role. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she does not have good comedic timing <laughs> delivery. Like she's supposed to be like this, you know, the bitchy girl of the office, and. Uh, yeah, it just comes across as like like wow, she's like she sucks. She's awful. She's a terrible yeah. person. So but the same man himself doesn't make an interest uh, an uh, an appearance. No. But uh, uh, yeah, but his wife and his daughters are in it um, as like side characters. But uh, yeah, besides that, you know, it's yeah, it's he's probably Spain like and... on the sidelines just watching, going like, "There you go, everybody, you yeah. guys go." Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be on the beach. Yeah, it's all it's in Hawaii, of course. So it's all like a big vacation for everybody. Yeah, regardless. I almost watched this just so I could like talk to you about it, and <laughs> um, because I love talking about bad comedies. But yeah, I, I think I told you this before. Like, I do not like David Spade, and just the <laughs> fact that it's a movie starring him is like enough for me to uh, to just be like, no, I'm not watching that. Yeah, it's. He, this goes back to like the early days of David Spade where he was like, you know, the nerdy 
straight man to Chris Farley's like outrageous character. Um, yeah. And then he went into all of a sudden there's this phase where he's like a womanizer. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so this is sort of going back to like the the early nineties David Spade days. And he's yeah. kind of like a plain boring guy. Nothing really interesting. This is kind of how I felt about him in the nineties, which is even you could say his like golden years. Like when I watch Tommy Boy, I'm like I'm not watching at all for like David Spade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He yeah, he is the straight man uh, mm-hmm. pretty much. But yeah, this is just so kind of he's so plain in it. There's definitely like things that made me laugh. And I didn't yeah, I wasn't like miserable watching this. I did actually <laughs> like I think overall I that's I good. Didn't think it was, I didn't think it was wasted time, but uh, yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't good. But uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. But uh, uh, yeah, they should put a warning in there that there is rape uh, in this. Movie. <laughs> right. They, they get um, the happy Madison humor is just so raunchy and it, like they it just never ends. Yeah, there is oh. On, so on the plane, there's a part where they're on the plane too, and it it's just gets over the top raunchy that uh, I was almost offended. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, not that like, oh, this is gross. Like, like this is like, these are actors and they're they're doing this. Yeah, and I was just almost like offended that they agreed to do this right now. Right, you know, it's as just human beings. Stu- it's just that stupid. Yeah. That- it's, it's you feel that like your intelligence is being insulted. Yeah, I was like, these people are getting paid to make a comedy movie right now, and they're doing this. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Wow, I almost just want to watch just to see what you're talking about. I think, yeah, I think there, I think you'll find enjoyment out of watching. Uh, well, uh, as I as we talked about before, I did talk about the Heartbreak Kid for a long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, so Which, I have a. The Heartbreak Kid is like Citizen Kane compared to The Wrong Missy, but uh, wow, yeah, yeah. I so I have a fascination for bad comedies. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, yeah, I think you'll you'll enjoy watching. Yeah. All right. All right. So here, I I should say this before we uh, it gets messed up. Um, I actually started at my number thirty one. Oh my god. Now we got to start the whole thing over. (laughs) (laughs) So my next one is my number thirty. All right, all right. Hey, that that works. You had you had less of the miscellaneous than I did, you know. So this is just evening. (laughs) We'll give you an extra movie then. Yeah. All right. So my number thirty is also it is not a comedy movie, but it features two um, of two of arguably the best comedic uh, actors ever. Um, it's downhill. Mm. Uh, the f- ski, the skiing flick, uh, the ski resort uh, existential flick with Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to this one either. So, yeah. Which, yep, it is uh, not good. And it <laughs> is kind of miserable. And, um, is a kind of a waste of a time waste of time to watch even though like no matter how many times like if someone was gonna tell me that i would still probably just like watch it because i get suckered into the um you know the fact that those two are in it just so i could like see what that's like 
you know what I mean? But then it doesn't create, it doesn't build on that um, interest by giving uh, those actors a lot to do. Um, like, while I would say that this movie isn't, uh, you know, it's not complete garbage because there's, like for instance, I watched Tower Heist recently because I was like, "Oh my goodness, it's got Ben Stiller and Alan Alda and Eddie Murphy," and it's just one of those situations where a cast will that it has been uh, assembled by a studio suckers you into its shitty movie <laughs> that is complete nothing but complete product. So this isn't like complete product. It's at least an indie film. Downhill is at least an indie film that's trying to do something. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there's a mo there's a moment where Will Ferrell like he doesn't really uh, come to protect his family in a like while there's an avalanche in a manner that uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus Dreyfus seems sees fit, and so she kind of is passive aggressively giving him shit uh, for his actions, like the rest of the trip. And it, and, it, and it's based in a lot of, uh, I don't know, just, uh, I don't really remember entire, entirely, but it's a lot about like, what is, you know, you know, what do we mean to you as a family? And like, why haven't you stepped up more? Blah, 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 blah. Like, what, like where are our lives going? Midlife crisis um, type of stuff. And, it just really, uh, it, I don't think it really totally works, and it's very exhausting uh, to watch. Um, and it's not uh, the fact that it's never funny at all um, <laughs> is very uh, <laughs> difficult to take while you're watching Will Ferrell and Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just very, very forgettable. Dang. So, yeah, I. Part of the reason I didn't get around to it is because I have seen the uh, the I think it's Danish. Um, there's a Danish movie that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I remember based you talking on. About this. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's same exact premise. Yeah, the dad uh, doesn't say. You know, he basically runs away from the family when mm-hmm. there's an avalanche. Yeah, he. And he I, doesn't I, provide that male protection. Protection. Yeah. yeah. And I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was good, and I think they uh, really did well um, playing up like the uncomfortability and sort of like dark yeah. comedy of it um, throughout it. So I almost don't want to watch downhill cause I don't want it to like, well, yeah, you have the story done right in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like force. Like I didn't think force majeure was like the greatest movie ever, but I, uh, yeah, but I enjoyed it. And I would think like, Oh my God, they made that movie with, yeah. With Will Ferrell and uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. And I feel like, hell yeah, that's gotta be great. But uh yeah i i don't know here to tell you it's not <laughs> it's a long weekend at the ski resort downhill. <laughs> yeah that's uh that's good then then i won't waste my time um oh okay so all right next one for me is also a remake so uh yeah what a transition uh but uh the next one is a movie called rebecca which is um, a remake of the Hitchcock movie, Rebecca. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. Cool. Yeah. So it's... Uh, it's Have you which... seen the Hitchcock Rebecca? Yeah. And it's not one of my favorite Rebecca's, but um, 
it's still really good. It's the only one that he won an Oscar for, um, or that won an Oscar, uh, I believe. Yeah. But uh, which is weird. But uh, yeah, I do like Rebecca, um, the Hitchcock movie, and it's this very like sort of gothic uh, horror thriller, and Rebecca it pretty much goes too far into like the like super like stylized and like pretty version of it instead of sticking to like being like the gothic horror that it that the original is and it's uh it goes a little way over the top with like the love story and it, so it also stars uh lily james and army hammer um army hammer who apparently is a cannibal now yeah so. he's uh, yeah he's this that may have be been the last movie that yes. you, we've seen. Yeah. yeah. This may be the last Army Hammer movie um, ever. But uh, yeah, it, just, it felt kind of stale and bland and uh, not very memorable. Yeah, there's, um, it, it did look really beautiful. I ate it. I did, I did enjoy some parts of it, but really, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really think it's a worthwhile watch. And if you want to see a movie like this, then just watch the Hitchcock version pretty much. Yep. I'm not surprised that we don't feel Hitchcock's influence in today's Hollywood movies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My next flick is a movie that we both watched of forever ago. Um, and we talked about it already on this show, so we don't need to really talk much more about it. Also, I don't remember a lot from it at all. <laughs> It is Pete Berg's uh, Spencer Confidential oh, with, Mark, with Marky Mark, baby. <laughs> that was my 31, so he just missed that one on my list. Oh, nice. Well, at least yeah, now, now you get to s- say Thank whatever God. you want to say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, just, I, I just remember hating this and there being like a fight scene in a burrito joint. Yep. <laughs> And uh, I remember like a hilarious scene where they just kept doing this ridiculous, uh, the way they just was shot Marky Mark over and over again, this like um, dialogue scene just made him look so stupid. Um, And I remember they were used, they're using the actor from, you know, us. Uh, They're using uh, Winston Duke. Yeah as they like and he plays like a ufc fighter and he's just awful in the movie which sucks because when i've seen winston duke he's great so the fact that he's so bone dry in this movie uh really just you know it's not it sucks but it's also not a surprise when the rest of the movie is the way it is yeah um so yeah i Spencer Confidential was kind of it was kind of fun to like just watch a bad movie like this, but um, don't really want to watch it again ever. Yeah, I I hardly remember anything from it, but I just remember uh, not giving a shit about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, fr- yeah, not good, not good. But yeah, that yeah. that seems like forever ago. Wow. Yeah. Um. All right, so uh, the next one on my list is ah yes, uh, so I feel I almost feel bad putting this this low, um, but uh, yeah, it's another comedy called The Lovebirds. Um, uh, the uh, 
Kumail Nagiani film, yeah. right? Kumail and Issa Rae, who I feel bad putting it this low because I think they're two of like the best comedic actors right now. Not, not necessarily best, but um, two people that I think have done a lot of great things in the past yeah. five, six years. And mm-hmm. it's directed by Michael Showalter, who directed uh, The Big Hot, Summer. Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, and Wet Hot American Summer, too. Yeah. So it's like... Uh, it's got semi- all the pieces to be yeah. a solid comedy movie. Set, set my expectations up really high, and then it's just it's just not not very original, not not really funny, and yeah, I would honestly say I probably laughed more at the wrong Missy than I did at the Lovebirds, but uh, there wasn't there wasn't anything to really like hate at yeah. the Lovebirds, but there wasn't anything like. That's I can't even remember any any sort of any memorable comedy scene or any comedy bit that happened that uh, yeah that I can even mention. Uh, but yeah, they basically just get um, accidentally wrapped up into this crime, and they're so paranoid that they're gonna you know go to prison, and then all this bad stuff's gonna happen to them. And uh, but you know at the end of the day, it's also supposed to be about their relationship and how they're not really like a good fit for each other. So it's, it's basically watching these two characters that purposely don't have good chemistry and break up just, and you just watch them not have good chemistry the whole time. Um, and yeah, but it's, it's not in a way of like, a, um, you know, like a, like a comedy, like the other guys where you have Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell who are like two completely different people who, uh, but somehow, you know, it still works, you know, um, but this way it's like these two completely different people that are in a couple and you're like, how do these people even become a couple in the first place? Um, then yeah, yeah. I just, it's, it's sad because it should, it should be at least a solid comedy, but, uh, yeah, it just, it wasn't funny. <laughs> it just wasn't funny. I had an opportunity to watch this movie with my family one day over the summer. And I think it was around the time where like, um everyone was angry about george floyd and i found i was very angry that this one day and i was like i just can't watch a movie like lovebirds right yeah. now i'm gonna yeah. go stew in my room <laughs> and i went on the internet and like was looking for like shit to donate to and stuff so that is why i have not seen lovebirds and i yeah made me made me feel good about my decision well, you should. Yeah, everybody out there should skip seeing Lovebirds and go donate <laughs> their money. So, yeah, that's 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 my recommendation. Skip Lovebirds, donate your money. Yeah, if you can. All right. So my next movie is a the Disney remake of the year, Mulan. Oh, Mulan. Yep. I have not seen Mulan. So this for a variety in, of reasons. Yeah. So we've t- we talked last year. Was it last year about the Lion King? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, maybe two years. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows now? Last year. I think it, I think it might have been last year. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, this is not uh, like that, in which it is a frame by frame remake. Um, they do try to be different with it and uh, somewhat 
uh, I wouldn't say modern, but they're trying to take the live action element of it and make it like a, you know, almost like a battle movie, that sort of thing. Um, but it's just, uh, it's just still not a good remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, and just, there's no scene. Um, there's not one scene that convinces me um, why they even remade the movie. Mm. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, it's just like, it's just really feels um, the movie, the movie, like, you know, there, there's clearly a lot of effort being put in on a filmmaking standpoint, but at the same time, um, from a storytelling standpoint, there just isn't anything uh, like any new life that makes me feel like, oh, yes, like this is why this is being remade, you know, because of this mm-hmm. idea, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, because they thought, oh, we could do this scene like this. Well, I guess, you know, like while the battle scenes are, you know, kind of cool. Um, I, if I was like 10, I would be like, oh, yes, but I, yeah. I'm not yeah. anymore. So, yeah, just really forgettable. I, I kind of zoned out through a lot of it. Just yeah. wasn't very into it. But also not um, super, super offensive either. Yeah, I, I know my family, like, you know, we all share Disney Plus and my brother-in-law's brother uh got it because they have like young daughters and he just and he basically like he bought it when it came out on disney plus and then he said like anyone can watch it whatever and i think most of my family besides us watched it and none of them were like huge fans of it and i expected them to be so knowing that they weren't huge fans of it then i kind of figured that i wouldn't wouldn't yeah because like there's people who are actually very excited about it mm-hmm. like yeah. thought that like oh and they remade Mulan like like that has value to bring you know we needed that you know yeah. what I mean uh-huh. and as someone who didn't at all uh I only really watched it to talk about it on <laughs> the podcast and I really don't have anything much to say except that I just didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> I, pr- I probably won't see it, but uh, but I'm glad we got to mention it on, on the podcast. <laughs> Out of protest, I won't watch it. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next one on my list is one uh, I do not remember much of anything about this, so I won't say much about it. But uh, it's Big Time Adolescence, which is a Hulu movie with Pete Davidson. Yeah. The bad Pete Davidson movie of the year. Yeah. There, there are a lot of similar themes with this and another. Pete and they're like the same story in a way, too. Yeah, it's yeah, they're weirdly similar. Um, you know, it's about Pete Davidson, and he's like befriends this, uh, like yeah, innocent young kid who doesn't have a lot going for him, and this kid becomes like infatuated with him, and they're like best buds, and uh he's just, so cool yeah. <laughs> and really like this wasn't a this wasn't a terrible movie you know i didn't i didn't absolutely hate it but i i feel like the reason it's so low is that i saw so many movies this year that were just sort of like mediocre and uh this is like at the the tail end of like the mediocre one and it wasn't quite mediocre <laughs> yeah yeah we it's like past the the really bad 
tier mm-hmm. of my list, but it's still it's at the very bottom of the mediocre list. So it's still not a good place to be. But uh, yeah, if you're gonna watch a movie like this, uh, watch uh, the King of Staten Island because it's uh, it's just you know we'll talk about it later. But it's uh, more well done and it's got uh, <laughs> the same guy as like as the lead pretty much. So uh, yeah, that's that's big time adolescence. My twenty seven. My twenty seven is. The Vin Diesel movie Bloodshot. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I know it just sounds like you just know what it is immediately. Yeah. Bloodshot. <laughs> and this movie I don't remember a lot from because I'm pretty sure I was drunk when I watched it. Because why how else are you supposed to watch Bloodshot? That's yeah, fitting. Yeah. Um but basically Vin D- Diesel is like um a superhero like that is also like like superhuman like 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 a bio in bio uh biotech killing machine as it says under the uh description enhanced with nanotechnology so there's like scenes oh, where Vin, that's Vin so Diesel's sick. like like skin like opens up and like you just see all the like technology all the like i don't know technology that's like running him and he's like on you can't defeat him because of that so he's just like yeah he's insane uh (laughs) i i I remember i remember actually like very much enjoying this even though it is like incredibly stupid Mm -hmm. um yeah you know it may be the first movie on my list so far uh (laughs) that i have enjoyed <laughs> i'm yeah I, it is we've reached that point hey all right yeah so yeah we're getting somewhere yeah i feel you know i haven't seen it but that's just what i guess it would be like is that it'd be really dumb yeah there'd be yeah. some enjoyment to take out of it yeah yeah i mean i always i like watching vin diesel movies i get a real kick out of them and mm. the, the fact that this one was as absurd as it was and just really went with the ridiculousness of it i probably under underrated it on letterbox but at the same time who knows if i rewatched it i could be like oh yeah this movie's really stupid <laughs> yeah hey i uh i loved triple x growing up that was yeah, like- yeah. Oh, oh yeah same same i've seen that and the the remake i think there was a remake oh yeah yeah, yeah. a couple years ago that came out mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay, so my, I'm surprised we haven't had as much crossover um, so far. Uh, I'm yeah, sure we'll change. we will get there eventually, I think. Yeah. Um, and I know we won't have crossover on this one. So the next one on my list is uh, the one and only Ivan. Uh, and uh, I won't say much about it because I don't remember too much of it. I was honestly on my phone for a lot of it uh, because I... I watched this when I was visiting my nephew and if I could say anything about this movie is it's, it's a Disney plus movie and it has, it's about animals and it's uh it's very much a formulaic Disney kids movie with real animals in it. And it's one that you watch with your little nephew. Who's a baby. It's not animated. No, it's not animated as uh, Brian Cranston is in it. Um, so actually, they're live. So 
and the the animals talk too i forgot about that so it's like babe kind of yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so it actually has an insane cast like angelina jolie danny devito helen mirren um and then brian cranston and sam rockwell he's the he's the main gorilla but uh yeah i my my review of it is that it's a movie that you watch with your uh with your very small nephew who can't even comprehend yeah who he couldn't even comprehend like lights and and images um yet but uh yeah that's 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 a review it i didn't it's it's actually it was like a you know a nice sweet movie but uh it's it's not for it's not for people like me you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm just picturing like a very goofy Corey time while you're sitting next to, to your nephew and he's has no idea what's on screen and you're just like being weirded out by everything on screen. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, there's only so much talking animals I can take in one night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I once, um, I, this, I don't know if this is entirely the same thing, but it made me think of this. I once saw, um, like the Christopher Robin, Winnie the Pooh movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, with some friends and we 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 were so high when we saw it. So when the movie started and you enter like uh, the hundred acre woods storybook <laughs> world and like fucking Winnie the Pooh's like hopping around and going like Piglet, what are we doing today? Like it takes like you a second when you're in that <laughs> mindset and you've been in the adult the adult world, you know, smoking yeah. weed. And- you know, living your life and stuff. And then you get in there and you're just like, Oh my God, this is overwhelming. How, uh, how childlike, but also kind of, I mean that movie, I, I like that movie actually a lot. So, Mm -hmm. but also kind of beautiful and like nostalgic it is like, (laughs) but it it just like took me a second to be like, Oh my God, we're seeing this movie right (laughs) now. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, I can't remember the last time I saw a movie where they have like, live animals but they talk oh yeah same and it's a weird thing i felt like that was such like a 90s thing yeah early 2000s dr doolittle babe yeah type thing super yeah it's a super weird thing i haven't watched one like that in a while either so it did bring me back yeah Yeah. especially with like live action nowadays like Mm -hmm. lion king is so it's an interesting choice it yeah it really is yeah but uh yeah it was a nice story yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not going to shit uh, on it. Yeah. Yeah. My next film, uh, number 26, was uh, Eurovision. Hey, that's my number 25. So that's perfect. Oh, yeah. cool. So, yeah, Will Ferrell and uh, Rachel McAdams and uh, Pierce Brosnan and uh, Dan C- Stevens. Uh, we, we already. Uh, uh, talked about this movie, so mm-hmm. um, I won't. I won't really talk that much about it because uh, because um, you know we have still so much to do. Um, <laughs> but I I am happy that you watched it. Uh, so I guess I don't know. What did you think of it? Yeah, you know, I actually it's it's way down on my list because it is just like a little ridiculous and dumb at yeah. times. But I actually did enjoy watching it yeah. same same i really yeah. did 
this was one like uh, we, Carly and I actually started watching it late at night and got um, a little more than halfway through it and then finished it the next day. But uh, like, I remember like being excited to finish it the next day. Cause I was like, Hey, I was, I was enjoying that so far. Yeah. And I liked yeah. like the music I thought was like, yeah, good. like I said, I, like I said, the music is really good for some reason. Yeah. What's the one? Uh, oh my God. I got, okay. Here, I gotta find I've, the got the, name. I've got the, the music. Oh yes. This is like their like big song. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and isn't it so like it's so strange that it's so good when yeah. like all the like dialogue joke scenes are awful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that, that contrast puts you into a very strange place that I I actually really rather enjoyed. Me too. I wanna stop the clocks and hold you close. But I don't know how. Hey, baby, when you look at me, I know I'm in double trouble tonight. Hey, baby, when you talk to me, I know I'm in double trouble no. This is wonderful. What's the? But it has like memorable song scenes, like musical scenes. What's the name of the the song that like everybody wants them to sing? It's like oh, everybody in Iceland wants them to sing. A popular song. Yeah. But they, I think they're like kind of over it. Like that's like their big song. It, uh, it like had a silly name. Yeah, yeah, ding dong. Who wants to hear Eurovision song? <laughs> it's such an odd movie. Yeah. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> well, I I just like how oh, I love uh, that song. How yeah. much they try, you know, like they, they how much effort really into the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would definitely, I would, I would recommend Eurovision if you just want a, a goofy, weird comedy movie. Um, I do think, it, I do think it was like long, 
slightly long. <laughs> oh yeah, hours. yeah, yeah. It felt, but it was like the longest two hours ever. Yeah, it was a little long. So I think it was good that I I saw it in two segments, but. And I was like, I remember being just like exhausted after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> there, there's a lot that happens. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of the these big grandiose uh, musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just yeah. a lot of like jokes, not a lot of bad comedy writing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my that was my twenty five too. So cool. Uh, yeah. um, so then I guess I'll do my twenty five. Yep. Okay. Uh, my twenty five is I believe it's a Netflix movie. It's uh, the Old Guard uh, with Charlize Theron mm. and uh, Kiki Lane. Um, it's like an action. They're like action. It's like they're like mercenaries. It's a mercenary movie. So Charlize plays like a a hardened killer. Um, so she's very uh, very right for the role. Um, and this may be one of the first like while I did like you know I I didn't like love it um, and I. You know, I'm very, I'm very like middle ground on this movie. It's one of the first, maybe the first quality movie on my list uh, because there is a lot of um, great uh, uh, character dynamic between Charlize Theron and Kiki Lane, and the fact that uh, she's like teaching her how to become uh, an assassin and like values and all that stuff. And then the, there's also there's just a lot of great kick-ass action scenes. Um, but there was also just like, I don't know, just something, something missing to where I, I was just very middle, kind of middle ground on the old guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely, um, added this to like my Netflix list, but I never got around to it. Um, I think at the time when there wasn't a whole lot of 2020 movies out yet. So I felt like I should watch it. See what's there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. All right. Uh, all right. The next one on my list is one we, I, I already talked about uh, on one of our Bender episodes, so I won't say too much about it, but it's Vivarium, um, yeah. which I think it's on Amazon Prime. I think it's an Amazon Prime movie. Um, yeah, but it's uh, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Mojin Poots, and it's uh, one of those interesting concept, but uh don't think it really like uh, sticks the landing in a way. Uh, you know, this, this couple moves into this uh, neighborhood where it's like, everything is the same. Everything's like perfect, but it's obviously like super eerie and weird. And um, yeah. And then crazy shit starts happening. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't even remember that much that happened, but I think it was, uh, it was trying to be like really profound and uh Uh, and everything and it just wasn't i also think it was partially trying to be like a bit of a dark comedy in a way at times too and um yeah i just it it wasn't really enjoyable to watch i would actually probably put eurovision ahead of uh ahead of this looking back on it yeah but uh yeah if you want to hear more about it i on one of our recent bender episodes i talked about it but uh yeah, that's that's Vivarium. I I wouldn't recommend watching Vivarium probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because I'm like expecting 
things to start to get better, but that just yeah. felt like. <laughs> I, I think if I wouldn't recommend watching it. <laughs> there's some below Vivarium that I would like, like the wrong Missy and Eurovision. Like you know, there's some enjoyment that I got out of it in Vivarium. Exactly. I just felt like down, like like eh. Yeah, yeah. But not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my next film is very. I felt very similarly. It it is uh, Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago Seven, mm. uh, starring Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, I I think I talked about this already. I remember um, you talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, but basically, it's you know, it's a. It's a protest movie in Chicago. I think it, the pro, protests in Chicago that took place uh, uh, during the 1968. Um, and while while it's like a good year, you know, a good year for a a protest movie and a court drama, it, this movie just felt very flat for an Aaron Sorkin to me movie to me and um it i wasn't just i just wasn't super into it even though it is also at the same time a quality movie if that makes sense like it's well directed it's well acted and it's uh you know it's well constructed but like aaron sorkin when it comes to like the scale of aaron sorkin writing um it was one of the only ones that i found to be kind of uh forgettable in a way even though you know it is there is a lot of funny you know hippie scenes with sasha baron cohen but it's also uh kind of kind of typical and um you know i i it's it, well, i think we may talk about this more later but uh i i'd like to see uh if you're going to make like a protest movie this year, I'd like it to, you know, I want it to feel, you know, more fresh, you know, and not like mm -hmm. something I've necessarily seen before. And I almost felt like I was watching something that I've, I, I've seen before in a way. Yeah. I could see that. Uh, all right. Is that it for? Yeah, it. All right. Uh, next one. I, uh, pretty sure you saw this too, uh, is an American pickle. It's my number 23. Yes. Uh, I wonder where mine is. I liked an American pickle. Yeah, yeah I did overall too. Now I think everything. Uh, my, my, it's my number 20. It's my number 20. 20. So pretty close. Yeah. Everything from here on out. I, I liked. Yeah. An American pickle. I mean, um, I was very excited for this. Um, when I saw the, when I saw the trailer, um, 2020 would be a great year for a Seth Rogen comedy. Mm. Uh, and uh, I definitely, I, I found a lot of it funny and everything, but also I, I wasn't super engrossed in the movie. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it, it felt a little bit too dry at times. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I liked the movie. I would say I have a weird feeling about it because I liked the movie but at the same time, I probably wouldn't watch it again um, just because I don't know if I would take anything else away from it, from watching it. Again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would not watch it again, but I actually I I kind of uh, disagree because I I actually thought thought the movie, while it's uh, not a, like I would I wouldn't call it 100 percent a quality movie. But I also I thought that the movie actually had a lot of heart, weirdly, um, between set. Between Seth and Seth, um, <laughs> just like, like the whole um, 
family aspect of it and uh, the whole um, and, and the fact that like modern day uh, Seth Rogen was uh, kind of like lonely and kind of um, was helped by his uh, Jewish ancestor um, and how and how at the end he kind of feels comfort by their like by them like you know uh, practicing uh, Judaism in I don't know whatever country they're uh, uh, don't they so, go to Canada at the end or something is it I think when it's like oh, snowing, they, right? so they, they cross the border mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know I thought they ended up back in like uh, Europe or whatever. But oh, did they go to I, like the Holy Land together or something? Not the Holy Land, but, like the small town where oh. um, Seth's ancestor like You're is right. from. Yeah, I think like Seth like finds himself. I may, I think he gets deported to there because they mix them up, and so then he finds himself yeah. in like a Jewish um, synagogue. Synagogue, is it a yeah. synagogue? Yeah, he, yeah, I don't even know if it's a synagogue, but it's either way, it's like a place where Jewish meetings being held, and he gets like probably like synagogue, yeah. probably a synagogue, yeah, and they start praying together. Um, and I thought it was just like a nice moment because Seth, like Seth's character, had been like uh, just kind of pushing his family away his whole life and his whole her- his whole heritage and his uh, cult- Jewish culture, and all of a sudden he's like being really comforted by it and uh so yes yeah so i think in this movie seth i think it's seth uh i thought seth was really good in it like i think he, even though it is ridiculous to see uh two seth rogan's acting together on screen i thought that um he kind of like just made it work um yeah and, and i think the movie kind of for me it worked despite it's uh ridiculousness and uh off obvious flaws that mm-hmm. you know are going to be the case in the trailer <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i definitely think seth rogan was good in it and uh i guess i didn't i just didn't totally like buy into like the dynamic between them much yeah uh, but i what i did i think what i enjoyed most about it was the i did think it was funny how you know the concept of this old uh jewish guy who um you know has been preserved and he's like a hit in brooklyn with all these hipsters yeah yeah i yeah. do i did find that whole like ongoing bit, like, really funny. his pickles are like gross so they like them or stuff like that <laughs> yeah yeah i i found that to be kind of clever and funny and uh i did yeah. enjoy the i did enjoy that aspect of it an american pickle all right is it my next one now yep all right, number 23. Uh, <laughs> my number 23 is Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Still haven't seen it. Which, I haven't seen the first to one. To me, like, I, I think a lot of people trash this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that bad. I really didn't. I thought it was decent. I don't think it's... It's not the first one I like. Um I did not like this movie as much as the first one, um, but I also don't think it's a tremendous dip in quality from the first one either. I think it's a I think it's a half hour too long. I think it's uh, uh, the narrative is definitely not as strong um, as the you know as like the origin story. Um, 
just a little more unfocused and uh, cluttered. And um, Kristen Wiig's character, um, you know, while it isn't horrible, it's also a little strange and uh, doesn't totally work all the time as the, the villain. Um, but also at the same time, I, I kind of, uh, I, you know, I would, I would not be like other people and you'd be like, yeah, don't watch Wonder Woman 1984 because you'll have a bad time. I, you know, I kind of thought it was okay. Biggest reasons I didn't watch this is just because of the, uh, the running time and that I hadn't seen the first one. <laughs> yeah they're understandable yeah but I, I was interested because of, it was obviously a talking point with uh with people for like three weeks yeah 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 we are we are not the superhero movie podcast at all no yeah by no. any means <laughs> definitely not yeah all right so that's wonder woman 1984 not as bad as people say but also i I'm not super into it myself. <laughs> uh, all right. This, this podcast is, re- we're just like real. I feel like we've just been really indifferent. <laughs> I, yeah. There's a ton of, so I feel like all these movies, you know, starting from a few back are all just like sort of in the middle, just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, I haven't different feelings on them. Um, but the next one, um, I guess on my list, uh, at one point was in like my top five. It might've been my top two movies because there was like nothing that had come out yet. Um, that's color out of space. Uh, it's Nick cage horror movie that came out. It came out like, um, at festivals, I think at the end of 2019, but then it had like a wide U S wide in quotes u.s release in 2020 um and i uh i don't remember a whole lot that happens in this movie i remember enjoying it uh there's a lot of weird uh creepy creepy atmospheric things that happen and um i'm definitely interested in h it's an hp lovecraft story Mm. Uh, and i've definitely been interested in that type of that genre of horror i guess um but uh yeah, I guess it's pretty far down my list because it also wasn't like spectacular. Um, but I, I did enjoy this um, mainly because of Nicolas Cage because he is just crazy in this, um, <laughs> but in the best, you know, Nicolas Cage sort of way. Uh, did so you I'd ever see Nicolas... uh, Mandy? Yeah, I actually I liked Mandy, too. So is that is it kind of like that? Uh, yeah, there's some similarities to it. I, this might be the same director. No, it's not. Never mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mandy. But that type of Nick Cage, sort of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he, he's both like just kind of a crazy whack job and, and both. But uh, yeah, I did enjoy Colorado Space, but um, it's for sure one that I would say you got to be in the mood for. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's about all I all i remember of it but uh yeah nick cage goes all out mm. he cool. delivers <laughs> yeah i gotta check out what cage is up to now I, there's so much he's done in the past decade that <laughs> yeah. i haven't seen he does like a like at least three just obscure movies a year now it seems like yeah i like ones that are just willing to let him go crazy i feel yeah. like too yeah exactly yeah i'm i'm all for it <laughs> 
All right, my uh, number twenty-two is Borat, subsequent right. movie film, <laughs> which is a hilarious title. Yes, we have another crossover here. Well, this one's at eighteen on my list, but okay, yeah, close enough. Yeah, so like I rewatched the original Borat this earlier in twenty, uh, towards the end of twenty twenty, and I just had such a great time, and it really made me just feel like damn this is easily like a top 10 comedy of uh, the 2010s i mean the 2000s which is yeah is saying something yeah because uh, the original Bora is just so great um and so i think you know it warrants a sequel and i think that this movie is um i think that it is definitely a uh a lesser version of the first but i still you know i i enjoyed it thought it was funny um and uh i like the mike pence scene very much um and i i think it i think it like you know even it's cool that he's like trying to take on donald trump you know in (laughs) it um but i it'll they'll never just be able to match uh how uh like radical his style was in the original uh borat you know even though like even though there's like so much i i don't want to it's hard to say this because you know i'm not his physician but there's almost so much more that he could do um but also is probably since borat is now an existing character Mm -hmm. probably hurts his ability to uh yeah maybe could have you know have done more like as shown in one scene uh they like he's seen as like people know him when he's walking down the street uh which i think is uh kind of hurts this movie a little bit yeah so i i actually really liked uh borat and uh so i what i think they did well to combat that though is that they featured his daughter a lot you know like i i almost feel like they were pretty much while it's called borat like they're pretty much equals in this. And so yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's what, yeah. That's where I think it worked for me is that I felt like uh because it, you know it would be hard to include the Borat character in a lot of these genuine scenes because he's so well known. Mm-hmm. Um but I thought his I thought his daughter was like I thought the she fact was that yeah. He was teaching her all the time. Yeah, that's a good point and honestly something that I didn't really pay as much attention to. Uh <laughs> I just I think that like one of the, my favorite performances of the year was by her though I think, oh that's uh, awesome yeah yeah I don't know I, I I really enjoyed Borat but yeah I don't think it was nearly like the same magnitude as the original, but uh, I but I like I felt like tingly inside watching this one, which mm. seems so weird for like I felt like a lot of heart, and like at the end of the day it's like this story about this uh, shitty father. Um, yeah and his daughter and they're you know trying to connect and it's about their relationship and i I was almost like taken aback with how much i actually cared Mm. about the father-daughter relationship like you didn't think you were in an emotional during a borat movie no yeah i thought it was just going to be completely which it it was but like just completely ridiculous sasha baron cohen doing uh you know doing what he does um but yeah no i actually uh and then and then how he was able to um, 
uh, you know, he moved in with these guys for a couple weeks, you know, in the middle of nowhere, super conservative guys and kind of showed a good side to them mm-hmm. that they were like, you know, they were capable of doing good things. They've just been so, uh, I guess, um, filled with all the, all this false information and, uh, and everything that has sort of given them these, uh, these opinions that, uh, you know, people who are on our side of the spectrum uh, don't really uh, resonate with, but that he was able to show them like in a good light. as just like human beings. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that, I thought it was like really, there was a lot of it that was really fascinating to me. Hmm. Um, That's a good, that's all a good point. I I might have to just give it another run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, to, to compare it to the the first one though, because that is, yeah, absolutely one of the, funniest movies yeah the past couple decades but and this one definitely you know wasn't at like nearly as hilarious as it was but as the first one was but um yeah i guess i still still has like a smart motive to it yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's about all i got uh, borat um, all right my is it oh that was yours yeah. wasn't it yeah oh, okay so, so it's you right yeah. Uh, so the next one, my number twenty-one, uh, we we talked about, or I talked about on the podcast for one of our Bender episodes too, and I don't remember a lot of it, but uh, it's uh, called Extraordinary, and it's a uh, it's an Irish movie, um, but it stars Will Forte. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not even really like you know the main the main character in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's a fine uh, fine comedy. Um, I think this was my number one movie of 2020 at one point, and Color Out of Space was number two. Um, thankfully, they're still not there. But uh, yeah, extraordinary. I talked about it a lot on one of our Bender podcasts. Um, but funny, funny comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, not incredibly hilarious, but uh, yeah, it was still a good watch. That's my 21. My 21 is uh, Bad Boys for Life, starring the obvious people, along with uh, Joe Pantoliano. Joey Pants. Um, Yeah, and so this movie, I was um, just surprised uh, that I really liked it. Um, It was really funny. Martin Lawrence kills in it. Um, it's got really good action scenes. It's just a great time. Uh, and I just like don't expect whenever it's like a remake or a, a sequel that's, you know, is almost you're like, all right, they're, re, you know, they're doing that again because they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm not that super psyched, really. And I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Bad Boys movies, but I'm not like a super fan or anything like that. So, but this, this movie like was a great time. So, yeah, not mad at it. I, I still haven't seen it, and I, I really liked the Bad Boys movies growing up, but uh, I honestly, I forgot about this movie. I forgot that it came out last year. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was one of the early earliest movies actually i think like mm. a february maybe march release yeah did it come out in theaters at all uh it's kind of in that well weird, if it was in, if it was in that time then i don't 
I think it might have like right before yeah COVID. Maybe at a couple weeks. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. Uh, all right. Uh, my number twenty is one I know we have crossover on. Uh, Hubie Halloween. Oh, nice. That's my number eighteen. All right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we talked about this on the podcast too. But, yep. Uh, yeah. Was... Honestly, this is like one of uh, like I, the rankings are what they are. But this is like a a personal like favorite of the year. Really, <laughs> I like this movie a lot. I would honestly put this into like my Halloween October movie rotation uh, moving forward. I I, yeah, I think like what will happen is I'll give it another try next October, and <laughs> if it still holds up, we'll you know we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, we'll still we'll we'll table that, but uh, yeah, because it could be like a one time thing where I was like you know oh wow this is great. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that I think it just. Uh, yeah, exceeded my expectations because you never know. It could be just completely stupid and and way over the top raunchy and unfunny, like a lot of these uh Adam Sandler, Happy Madison Netflix movies are. Yeah. But uh yeah, I yeah, I I laughed a lot and I watched this with my parents when we were visiting visiting home and it was enjoyable to watch this like with the family and we're all like laughing at a lot of stupid jokes but uh yeah i i uh yeah i i definitely really enjoyed hubie halloween more than i thought i would and i would for sure watch it again next halloween (laughs) yeah it's like all the stuff like you're talking about in the wrong missy like but except it's working you know yeah yeah and yeah it's a lot of dumb jokes even just like his mom wearing a uh, a super like offensive t-shirt every yeah what is it what is it does it say like something stupid on it always or like yeah. is there like a dick on her shirt or <laughs> like what is what's the deal it's like every every scene she's in she's wearing a different shirt and it's always like this like subtly uh like uh yeah like sexual innuendo yeah on her yeah shirt. she doesn't for, for no it. reason at all for yeah no yeah. reason at all for, yeah. for some reason i i like laughed every time I saw her with a new stupid shirt. Same, on. same. And yeah. it just, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, the fact that he has this sweet old mom there, mm-hmm. this ridiculous guy who's like worried about him. And then on top of that, she has these shirts for no reason at all. Yeah. It just adds to the, just how hilarious this movie is. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I've, Fond feelings for Hubie Halloween. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs>